Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Yeah, we are the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan. That's Matt over there is Ryan. And we are coming at you with episode 608 of the show. Lots to get to this episode, including some deep dynasty buys, some guys that you might get thrown into a trade this offseason that could pay off down the road. Uh, we have three more 2024 rookies to talk about in the rookie report as well. And we got a startup to get to as we move along uh also but first let's uh let's say hi to matt matt what's up bud hey i'm back i thought uh, i might have lost my job to john the last couple of weeks he did a awesome job but uh, you guys you guys let me let me show up again today so i guess uh, you missed me a little bit anyway <laughs> ryan <laughs> wow no no, no definitely it was, john here. That was, it was fun having john here a uh, little bit different perspective of course but honestly, Matt, I was the the thing I missed was some of your takes on these rookies, so we could hold them hold it against you down the road. <laughs> I got some. I got some. If you want them, uh, my favorite one for that group was Corley. Man, he's so much fun. I mean, I'm not going to get yeah. into the whole evaluation process, but uh, he was a surprise watching him uh, from the beach. That was a pretty good, pretty good play to watch some film. Um, but yeah, uh, he was probably my favorite of the group you guys talked about. Me too. I I've been. Um, in fact, we got a we got a slack message a week or maybe a week and a half ago from one of the higher ups here at dlf saying like who's too high uh according to average ranking on specific players and corley was one that i was oh. i was obviously the highest and <laughs> i had a message a, re, a, a you know a reply to that type all typed in like maybe some of these other guys just need to spend some time on him <laughs> uh, but i decided not to send it Ryan, how about you? You uh, you watching these prospects? You, you looking at ADP every day like the rest of us? Yeah, yeah, especially looking at ADP. We do, uh, you know, we love February. Talked about last week with some startup ADP. We've got the rookie ADP for single quarterback and for super flex leagues uh, loaded at DLF. So if you haven't checked that out, go uh, go look at where some of these players are falling. We'll talk about uh, we'll talk about three more today, specifically where they're going in early rookie mocks. And uh, yeah, I'm get I'm I'm getting ready for uh, for the combine later this week. So looking Lucky forward yeah. to that. Right around the corner, so much to talk about there. We'll get to all that next week. Speaking of rookie ADP, Ryan, I was looking it over. Was there any surprises for you? You know, this is the first time we really get to see names. In, in order and, and see what the general consensus is. Marvin Harrison, of course, in all mocks goes number one overall. But after that, was there anything that jumped off to you that was like, wait a minute, look at that? Well, I think, you know, you do rankings or you look at other people's rankings or whatever it might be. But when you actually kind of see it on uh, on paper, air quotes here, uh, it, with the tears, I mean, you get to you feel really good, right? Harrison neighbors, Adunze, Brock Bowers. And then Troy Franklin is, is six overall. Like I like Troy mm -hmm. Franklin, but a mid mid first rounder. Eh, and then it just feels like we've got a big tier from five or six overall really down into the middle of the, maybe even later part of the second round. So I think we're going to see some huge shakeup after this week's combine. I think we're going to see, Clearly, huge shakeup once we actually know landing spots. But I mean, there's players right now that are probably going in the third round of these 
uh, rookie mocks that will end up as first rounders uh, when we're actually drafting in, in in the summer. I was going through the the names, and at 15 overall in our ADP is Lad McConkey, and we'll we'll get a chance to talk to him here in a, a couple weeks. But McConkey went as high as fifth overall in one of those mock drafts, and then he splashed in at 10th and 13th, fell all the way to 18th and 19th, 22nd, and in a couple others. So. It would. That's the type of guy that is gonna gonna move and shake depending on landing spot and how he does it at the combine, all those types of things. But I, I just love it that we have rookie ADP on the site, something to actually look at and something to compare to, especially when we talk about these rookies as we move along. Uh, let's get right to it, guys. We got uh, we got a lot to get to for sure. It's tough to keep your New Year's resolutions, whether we're talking about Dynasty, you know, we've all got so many leagues already. Are we really going to join another startup? Can we have the amount of time to take on another league? Uh, I'm going to make more trades and be more active this season. You know, we got we got a lot of things going on as a Dynasty manager. And uh, Factor is here to help you with some of your New Year's resolutions. Factor's ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success in the new year. Skip the grocery stores, prep work, and cooking fatigue. Instead, get chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door with over 35 meals to choose from per week, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan plus, veggie, and more, plus over 55 weekly add-ons. You'll have a ton of nutritious and flavorful options to kick your, start your resolutions. So how do you get started over at Factor? You go to factormeals.com slash mostaccurate50 and use code mostaccurate50 to get 50% off. That's code mostaccurate50 at factormeals.com slash mostaccurate50 to get 50% off today. The Startup. So this week we heard that T Higgins is expected to get the franchise tag, or at least he was, it was reported that he was informed that he's going to get this uh, franchise tag from the Cincinnati Bengals. Higgins has been uh, a roller coaster ride for many of us as dynasty managers. There's times when he feels like a wide receiver one playing the wide receiver two spot in a specific, in his NFL offense. And there are other times when he completely disappears, Matt. So if you're a T Higgins manager right now, how are you feeling about your Higgins shares? You know, I, I kind of was hoping he'd go somewhere else and be the, the alpha dog for, for another team. Um, I looked at some splits for these guys and since Chase's rookie season in 2021, Chase's uh, Higgins has played 35 games with Jamar Chase in those games. He's averaged four and a half receptions on 7.2 targets for 65 ish yards and just about 13 and a half points per game. And it's a small sample size, obviously, but when the five games without Jamar Chase, T. Higgins has averaged just over six receptions, almost nine targets, over 100 yards per game, and uh, right at right at 20 points per game. So pretty significant increase without Jamar Chase on the field. So, you know, I was hoping I was hoping it would, it would he would move, but he's still I think locked in as like a solid you know mid to high end wide receiver too. I think in in most weeks, and you know he's going to have those spike weeks, so he's going to be fine. But I think he really could have gotten a value bump if he had moved on. Brian, I've I've read a lot in the last few days since we heard this news that 
because the the news came out so early that the Bengals plan on on uh, tagging him, that could be an indication that maybe the Bengals could do a tag and trade type of situation. And there's a lot of Cincinnati beat writers talking about hypotheticals, what the Bengals could command in trade for Higgins. And many of them are talking about the AJ Brown trade prior to the 2022 season where the Eagles uh, got the number 18 pick for him. There, there was also talk about the chiefs trading Tyreek for a first, second and fourth, the, the, uh, um, Devonte Adams trade from Green Bay to Oakland has been brought up multiple times. These these all seem pretty high high end trades, and the fact that this draft is so loaded with with young talent, I'm not sure that that really helps the trade market. If you if you heard that T Higgins was going to get dealt, and regardless of what what the Bengals got back from him, how would you feel uh, without knowing who that who that landing spot? Would you rather have him traded or, or rather have him? Uh, stay put there with Joe Burrow and company in Cincinnati. Yeah, it's such a tough spot for fantasy managers, dynasty managers, because of that exact situation you're talking about. Like, is wide receiver one on a bad team a better situation than the second option with an elite quarterback? I'm starting to think it is, just based on what we've seen from Higgins, and Matt kind of outlined a little bit of it there, and, uh, you know, I think fantasy, it seems like fantasy players, dynasty managers especially, value him a lot differently than, um, you know, maybe the average NFL fan or or maybe even uh, NFL teams. I'm, I'm just not sure that he's looked at as an elite option where at least at one point he was, you know, he was a wide receiver one. I think he even uh, snuck in as a, a first round, uh, first round pick in ADP at least a month or two. I think he just kind of is what he is. I think he's a wide receiver too uh, in fantasy and at, you know, at best a wide receiver one on a bad team. And unfortunately he's going to disappear, whether he's with Joe Burrow and all these guys in Cincinnati, or he's on another team. It seems like he's that type of player that can get bottled up from time to time, which is frustrating as a dynasty manager. How about Jamar Chase, Matt? You look at the rest of the Cincinnati Bengals. Obviously it's good, good news for Joe Burrow. If we anticipate Higgins will be back, all the weapons for Joe, right? That's fine. But Jamar Chase, does does having Higgins around really take anything away from him? Yeah, I mean, I, I pulled the splits up for him too, and it's uh, it's it's much less bad for Chase when Higgins is on the field. You know, he is averaging <laughs> he is he well, is averaging a about bad player. <laughs> yeah, he he's he is averaging about two points per game more without in the nine games he's played without Higgins. Uh, but the same exact target sh- targets, 9.1, both with and without Chase. Six receptions with Chase, 6.3 without him. 84 yards with Ch- with uh, Higgins, 83.7 without him. So, like, almost almost the same thing uh, for Chase. It doesn't seem to matter who's on the field with him. Uh, Chase is going to get his. So, uh, T is going to be the worst one off here. Chase should still be the elite producer that we've come to know and love. Yeah, totally, totally agree. Not really, not really worried about Chase from a, from a T Higgins standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. And as I said, Joe Burrow, uh, great news for Joe if T Higgins yeah. is back. So um, we'll see what, what, how things play out. I imagine if there's any movement, there'll be some smoke before the NFL draft. Probably, probably most likely that he gets traded on draft night if he does get dealt. So we'll see how that plays out. Let's talk trade. You're crazy.
Yeah, now's the time to be sending those trade offers, improving your team, but it's not always done with players like Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, or T. Higgins. Sometimes you dig a little deeper and throw in a player to a trade or or throw a mid to late third round pick out for a low end guy that might be on the trade market. So we thought we'd each highlight a player that might uh, be available, be easy to add to your roster that could be in line for a big season in 2024 or beyond. Matt, who do you pick as your low end asset that we could uh, add to our teams as a deep dynasty buy? Yeah, I went with, Isaiah Spiller, who, you know, I, I think I like more than the rest of us but when he was coming out. And clearly that has not really worked out from his career uh, standpoint. You know, he hasn't really got a ton of opportunities. The the, the most opportunities he's gotten in the game so far was in week 15 of, of this 2023 season against the Raiders. And uh, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a great game. 16 carries for 50 yards, no touchdowns, no receptions, no nothing. Uh, other than that, the most he's received is seven back in uh, his rookie year. And, uh, you know, so he just really hasn't got a ton of opportunity, but maybe that's because he hasn't been good. We all thought, at least I thought he was going to, at the very least, pass up Jonathan, uh, Joshua Kelly. That really didn't happen. And and Kelly hasn't really, you know, been that exciting of a player either. However, uh, both Kelly and Austin Eckler are unrestricted free agents. Presumably both will be on other teams. And, you know, this is a kind of a weak draft class for running backs, as we've, we've discussed. Uh, so maybe there's a chance Spiller has a role here uh, in this new Jim Harbaugh offense and we know he likes to run the ball. So I'm sure Harbaugh is going to bring in one of his own guys. Um, but, you know, I kind of hope Spiller is at least in the mix for some regard. So at 218 overall, running back 72 in our January ADP, you know, as a, as a throw in and a trade, I don't know if I'd even send a mid third, honestly, but, uh, you know, a late third, Throwing in a trade, why not take a shot on a running back like, like that for the back end of your roster that should at least have some chance to produce in 2024? I kind of think, you know, I thought Spiller, when this was brought up, I thought Spiller was a name to highlight as well. And I, I think I mentioned it a month ago, whenever it was that adding multiple low end running back options yep. that have an opportunity or even a slight opportunity, um, I, I'd say Spiller probably has a a pretty good opportunity, right? Going into this off season to get some work next year. So at that price tag feels like, feels like a good buy. Ryan, what are your thoughts on Spiller? Yeah, I like the Spiller call as well. I'm, I mean, again, we haven't really seen much uh, of any, uh, of anything from him on an NFL, uh, on the NFL level, but you know, you think about the Kyron Williams trajectory, right? And if, yeah. If if anybody this season is going to be the next Kyron Williams, and we don't we don't get those every year, I wish we did. But uh, if it's going to be anybody, I think it could be Spiller because he was uh, just like Williams. He entered the league, uh, or I should say, he entered uh, really the early pre-draft process. Entered the combine as a, a valuable fantasy asset before he kind of fell off due to combine, due to pro day, uh, due to later than expected uh, draft capital. So Spiller and Spiller and Williams both kind of followed the same path there. Uh, I mean, the dip, the big difference is Spiller now has two seasons with pretty much nothing to show. Williams had had the one before he broke out this season. So two seasons of not much production is uh, is certainly a concern. But at the price tag that we're talking about, late third rounders, fourth rounders, throw ins. Um, given the situation there with the chargers and in, in their backfield, I think Spiller's definitely a guy to take a chance on. 
Yeah, I went with well, I went with Bo Bo Melton, the Packers wide receiver, but who I really wanted to go with uh was with Dontavian Wicks, his mm. his teammate. That's the guy I really wanna wanna go get uh this offseason. Wicks comes in at 116, though, overall, wide receiver 53, probably gonna have to spend more than a third to go get Dontavian Wicks at this point. I'd be fine with that. Like I said, I did go with Bo Melton though. Melton uh, quite a bit lower in ADP, 204 overall, wide receiver, 87. He only played five regular season games, and one of those, I think he only was playing special teams. So in in those last four games of the year, caught 16 passes, 218 yards, and a touchdown, added a couple more grabs for 26 and a score in the postseason. Seemed to be that preferred deep threat when uh, Christian Watson wasn't on the field. So the Melton being productive for your dynasty team may – depend on Christian Watson not being available. And as we've seen over the last couple of seasons, Watson's availability has been a problem. Uh, Those hamstrings haven't been able to hold up. So while Melton is probably a direct backup to one specific player, that specific player isn't, isn't always on the field. So I think there's probably a line um, to, to Melton being very successful. If Christian Watson isn't on the field, he's going to have to, improve as an intermediate route runner to be uh, a factor for the Packers if Watson is on the field, however. So there are, there are, it's certainly a a buy low. And if you look on the trade tool, you're not going to see a lot of Bo Melton out there. In fact, he's a free agent in some of the leagues that I play in still that uh, where, you know, he didn't do anything till late in the season. And if you're, uh, if your waivers are locked throughout the dynasty postseason, he might be available to you in your auction, free agent auction, or, or even just to pick up right now. It's something worth worth looking at. And if if I got a 25-man roster and, and Bo Melton can be my 25th guy, I think I'm good with that. Ryan? Yeah, I like the Melton call a lot. I, I thought about him for this and, and avoided him because I thought you might go that way. You, and you're definitely right on Wicks. I'm seeing the value go up on him. He's He's been, uh, I don't want to say thrown in, but he's been a part of some early off-season dynasty trades that I've seen and uh, climbing up ADP as well. So like, like both of those Packers, I think, you know, with Melton, you kind of told the story of what has to happen for him to really hit and, and pay off for that third or fourth round pick. Uh, I think it's a similar story with the guy I went with. Uh, I chose Ronnie Bell, the 49ers mm. receiver coming off his rookie season as well. Um, not, not any big numbers. I think he had one game uh, where he had more than 10 fantasy points this season. But what honestly, what I was encouraged with was he was on the field. He was he was actually the only 49ers receiver to play all 17 games during the regular season. And just just the opportunity in, in what is obviously a stacked team was uh, was impressive for a, you know, a day three rookie that didn't really get much hype coming out of Michigan. Um, you know, we've already heard the rumors out of San Francisco that uh, Brandon Ayuk could be traded because of his contract situation. So that's that's the path. Right. That's the story. That's what has to happen. If it's Debo and Kittle and McCaffrey and Ayuk all there, then this probably becomes a wasted roster spot for another season. Uh, but even even the depth pieces, Ray Ray McLeod, Jawan Jennings, Chris Conley, all free agents. Uh, we'll see what happens with those guys. But Ronnie Bell definitely has a chance to move up the depth chart. And if Ayuk is traded, uh, he could move way up the depth chart. Speaking of the potential Ayuk trade, which has been the rumors, of course, um, there was those couple bits of new, just like T Higgins, 
the the trade market may be saturated just a little bit at, at the wide receiver position because this draft class is so thick with with talented players. And then secondly, the thing that we heard this week that we could have mentioned in the startup for, for T Higgins as well is the salary cap was in, was mm, announced. Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't follow the salary cap probably as closely as a lot of dynasty managers out there do. But from what I read over the last few days is that salary cap is significantly higher than what they expected. And in fact, I think I saw that over the cap projected a specific amount and it came in like six, 15 or $16 million more than that, which was a surprise to a lot of people. So there's a lot more cap space out there for every team. In fact, if you go on Twitter right now and, 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 uh, and just search salary cap in any team name, there'll be fans saying, oh, now all of a sudden my favorite team, Team X, is under the cap. And we were over the cap before. It seems like every team got that bump. So that creates more space for an IUK signing. And maybe that does hurt Ronnie Bell. That creates more space for T Higgins to play under that franchise tag. And maybe we as dynasty managers don't get that, that new landing spot that maybe we're, we're hoping for. So more news that indirectly affects the dynasty um, game, I guess, and certainly could affect Ronnie Bell in that 49ers situation with Brandon Ayuk and the contract that he's in line to get. Guys, were there any other players in this deep dynasty buys that we were considering that we were thinking about? Man, I know you were throwing around some names before the show. Yeah, I, I, you know, kind of piggybacking off of, off of the startup with with T Higgins and Jamar Chase. I threw out Charlie Jones, two eighty one overall wide receiver, one sixteen, only drafted in one of the six January mocks, but he seems to be somebody that the the Bengals like. Slots in naturally as a slot receiver. Uh, Tyler Boyd is is probably not going to be back. So there'll be an opening there with the wide receiver three. I know Yosevich is also in the mix, but he plays a little bit of different role there. If T were gone, then maybe he would be someone to target. Um, but Charlie Jones, uh, he's interesting. He's, he plays on special teams, so he's going to hang around. He had a, I think he had an 81-yard uh, punt return for a touchdown back in week three against Baltimore in the final game of the season against Cleveland. He kind of got some more work, three catches on three targets for 49 yards, a couple of rushes. So seems like a player they like and uh, a natural natural fit for him in an in a explosive offense could be, could be good. Ryan, anybody for you? Yeah, I had quite a few. I was considering, actually, a couple tight ends. Greg Dulcich, Gerald Everett, I think are both pretty cheap and worth uh, worth a roster spot, worth taking a shot on. Looking at a lot of guys coming off a rookie season, uh, most of them pretty quiet rookie season. I still like Chris Rodriguez in Washington and a couple of Jets. I, I've not given up on uh, Izzy Abanaconda and uh, like the receiver there as well, uh, Xavier Gibson. Yeah, he's a good one. I didn't even think about him, but uh, a good name to throw out. I had a couple other wide receivers that I thought were worth throwing out there. A.T. Perry down there in New Orleans um, kind of came on late in the season. And then Noah Brown, he's a little lower in ADP than I expected, really. He's in like the 165 or 167 wide receiver 73. Had a couple of big games. And I think they kind of like him there. So if you can get him as a throw-in, just 26 years old, uh, attached to an offense and a quarterback that we're we're pretty excited about, I think he's worthwhile. Uh, although he's going to be tough to decide when to play him uh, yeah. uh, without an injury there in Houston. Um, you guys got any other names to throw out, or should we move on to the rookie report? 
Uh, I could throw out Chris Brooks real quick of Miami, uh, running back both Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson. Uh, they are under contract for 2024, but there isn't out in their contract very easy. They could, easily they could get out of there, and Brooks has some size. So if they wanted to have a, a big back after those two older guys move on to pair with A-Chan, uh, then he could fit the bill there. Hmm. Good good addition. Let's uh, Let's talk rookies. This week's episode of the podcast is brought to you by the guys over at DraftKings and their newest product called Pick 6. It's a pick'em style platform where you choose players to have more or less of a certain stat, things like passing yards, rushing yards, etc. But the twist the DK has made is that it's a peer-to-peer platform. So if you're contrarian and you outsmart your opponents, the winnings can be massive. It's also available in 21 states, including some that don't even have sports betting. I live in one of those states that don't allow sports betting, but Pick 6 is available. And I can tell you, I already love it. And I think you will too. So sign up using our link in the show notes and you'll get $50 in Pick 6 credits for playing your first five bucks. Check out the show notes and sign up today. It's time for the Rookie Report. It is time for the Rookie Report, and we're going to kick this thing off with the pretty big name. Maybe you've heard of him. It's wide receiver Marvin Harrison Jr. from Ohio State, a guy that Dynasty managers, Matt, has have been salivating over for a couple of seasons. Of course, Ohio State, known as wide receiver U to many, just pumping out these wide receivers, and Marvin Harrison Jr. might be the best of all of them. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like this, we're going to be talking about Marvin Harrison Jr. Kind of like how we talked about Bijan last year. And that's like, we're not talking that much about him because they're just locked in and they're, uh, in their draft capital where they're going to fit in our dynasty rosters and, and things like that. But a couple of my favorite things, Dan, uh, in addition to the production, two straight years of 1,200 yards and 14 touchdown is the the strength, just the strength that he pu- he plays with. You know, you see him on underthrown balls. He comes back to the – not only does he come back for the football, but he comes back through defenders to make those catches, and the defenders are the ones with all the forward momentum. So the strength that it takes to pull off those kind of moves is – uh, very impressive, you know, and I mean, just the soft hands of, he, he can't, you can't guard him in one-on-one matchups. Uh, it's just, I mean, there's so many things we could say here, Dan, but I'll, I'll throw it back to you if you have any specifics, cause there's just, there's really, I mean, is there anything not to like, I have like one minor nitpicky ne- negative written down, but I mean, I'm not gonna, <laughs> not gonna not, I'm not gonna move him down because of it. That's for sure. Yeah. It, well, if, since you mentioned it, I wonder if it's the same thing that I had. So if, if, Defensive backs are allowed to hold him at all. It can totally mess up his, disrupt his game, right? And that was the one thing I had written down that he, he, if he gets grabbed, it, it seems like it might even get in his head that it's not getting called. He gets upset and it it affects his game. So that's the one thing that I had written down. I think it was a, I can't remember which game that it happened in. Um, but I, I wrote it down and thought, man, that's kind of weird for a, a true alpha receiver to have that. Usually those guys step up and, and make even bigger plays because of it. But going back to the strengths that you mentioned, um, I, I wrote I wrote down incredibly sudden. So he, he, he makes moves at the top of his routes and they're so sharp and so smooth that it makes you think that it's almost like a cheat code. It's almost like a video game or something like that. The way he stops and starts and comes, like you mentioned, come back for the football, his strength at the catch point is great. And he's uh, elusive and, and incredible after the catch as well. But uh, the second thing that I wrote down was his ability to track the deep ball. 
and the ball skills at the catch point on the deep ball. So, you know, all the over the shoulder stuff that you think about when you think about those deep threat wide receivers. Um, he also sets up routes so well. Um, he'll stack a stack a corner and then almost slow down for two or three steps before before hitting the jets again and creating that separation. He likes to catch over his outside shoulder, giving himself a little bit of room on the outside right against the boundary. That's impressive. That doesn't always happen at, at the college game. Um, like you said, Matt, there's so many positives that we're probably going to kind of kind of glass over some of them. And it's going to seem like we don't love uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. But I, I don't think there's anybody in Dynasty right now that doesn't. Yeah, I mean, I, I would counter, Dan, on your point about dragging down. In the Michigan game, he had a one-handed catch while it was being dragged down. So maybe it's yeah. uh maybe I need to watch more to see more of it, but I think it's I don't think it's something that he can't do. No, mine was way more nitpicky, uh, and it could okay. be uh, something. It could it could be something that the coaches were telling him to do. Like I I saw I mean I I watched I think four games, and there were definitely plays where he just kind of took the play off. You know, maybe they're telling yeah. him, hey, take a break on this play, whatever. But the lack of effort on some of the on some plays, I would say maybe like I don't know five percent of plays maybe maybe even less than that you, you see something like that if he knew the ball wasn't coming to him maybe he was just taking a little bit of a break but that that like small lack of effort occasion on occasion was the only thing that i had written down i watched the purdue game and he had a big game i think he went six for 105 and caught that touchdown but yeah he had a handful of drops in that game and i went and found the interview that he did afterwards and he was he was so almost remorseful because of that i, I think that's what some some that that watch college football, they might watch that game and then come away saying, Oh, Marvin Harrison Jr. has some drops. He drops the ball too much. Oh, but it. I watched that interview and I thought to myself, like the remorseful was that he, he, in fact, he said like, I let my teammates down by letting the ball hit the ground. And he felt so bad about it. The next week, of course, he, he, he lights things up, catches everything, throws it thrown his way. And it's just, it's like that player taking the next step, proving it that, that I'm not going to let these guys down. Again, Ryan, all of us that look at mock drafts, so NFL mock drafts, we see him in the top handful of picks every single time, most likely to go to a team that that maybe doesn't have a quarterback or, or is uh, kind of down in the dumps. I guess that's why they have a top five, top six pick wherever he may land. Does any of that affect how you view him as a prospect? No, not really. I mean, I think I think he's good enough and elite enough, as you guys outlined the traits there, that uh, we want him no matter no matter the situation. Um, but from a from a draft standpoint, it, it kind of becomes a little bit of a boring conversation right now. You see mm -hmm. him obviously; uh, he's obviously going to be the wide receiver one, uh, both in in the NFL draft and in uh, dynasty leagues it really feels like it's new England or Arizona right now. Does he go three or does he go four? Uh, feels like most dynasty managers are cheering and hoping that, uh, that it's Arizona where he would yeah. uh, not, not only be the wide receiver one, but uh, get in, uh, in there with a quarterback and Kyler Murray and, and a more established offense versus new England. Uh, obviously in a, in a period of transition, we have no idea who their quarterback is. We certainly hope it's not Mac Jones if, if uh, Harrison goes there. So yeah, I think what would really be interesting for Harrison and his value is if we start seeing uh, some talk of, of 
quarterback related trades, right? If, if somebody trades up into three to get, to get a quarterback or, or even moves up to four to get uh, one of the quarterbacks, if, if they're expected to fall, that's when the Harrison conversation becomes more interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you, you can find a mock to almost anybody in that top seven, eight, nine, ten. 10 range of the draft because there's, there's always the, the mocks that's all oh, this team's going to move up. Maybe it's the bears moving up from their second first round pick and, and pair Caleb with uh, Marvin Harrison jr. What, what kind of storyline would that offer? Um, as I said, you can, you can really find anything, but when, when you look for an ideal pick, you mentioned it there, Ryan, it feels like Arizona is a place where we want him to go pair him with Kyler Murray and with an established quarterback, those second chance opportunities that Kyler presents that, I mean, Harrison is dynamic after the catch in those types of situations. I think he'd be an ideal fit right there. And and certainly that would lock him in as the unquestioned number one pick. And, and maybe even in super flex push, push some of those quarterbacks uh, for even a higher status potentially. Yeah, absolutely. It, it just, um, that that's really the one we want, as you said, Arizona at four. It's it's hard, even with you know some of the trade possibilities that I threw out. It's really hard to see Harrison falling past uh, past the top four. So Arizona does feel like the spot. Um, you, you look at his dynasty value. We talked about it a little bit last week, I think, but he is already a first rounder in dynasty startups. Uh, I looked. Over the past uh, over the past few days, and there are just a handful of rookie wide receivers who have ever been first rounders in our ADP, which is now going on twelve years, I believe. Uh, so that's going back quite a while. And there were only five or six rookie receivers who have ever cracked that first round. Every other one of them did it in October, November, or December. So it essentially took mm-hmm. well into their rookie season. Harrison's the only one to do it before the month of October and, and obviously way early the first month that, that he's included in, in our data. Um, Dan, you already said that he's, he was the wider or the one Oh one overall in uh, every single single quarterback mock we did. He was the top three pick even in uh, those super flex leagues with an ADP of 1.2 behind Caleb Williams. Mm. Yeah. Elite prospect, Matt, you mentioned it. He is the wide receiver equivalent right to to everything that we saw last season um and there's just at this point there's very little that can that can stop his surge to to number one uh the number one spot in single quarterback rookie drafts let's move on to our second uh rookie prospect to talk about this one's a fun one it's tight end jatavion sanders from texas man if you're looking for an athletic tight end and i think we all are he certainly fits the bill I, uh, I'll start here. Um, I watched both of the last two Oklahoma games, the 22 and 23 games. I watched the Alabama games. I wanted to try to see him in those big games and see how he plays. And I saw him stretch the seam. I saw him make crossing route catches out of the slot. I saw him win contested balls, jump balls against cornerbacks on the perimeter he really he lines up everywhere. He runs he 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 runs route at all three levels. Um, he's great after the catch, particularly on like quick crossing routes where he can gain that edge on a linebacker or a safety out of the slot or even out of a traditional tight end set, and then um, get the corner. He reminds me so much of David Njoku. Um, I, you said David Njoku. I'm right there with you uh, there. I said uh, 
So it's driving me a little bit of uh, Jared Cook coming out. I know it's going back back okay. quite a ways, but you know, a very athletic, long, tight, tight end. And then I also uh, thought maybe like don't think about how we think about him now, but think about how we thought about Noah Fant coming out. Like that kind mm. of athlete, and especially yeah. in a straight line. So, uh, and Fant, I mean, I mean, he's had a couple of like fifty catch seasons. So maybe there's, maybe we'll get some more there. Well, um, we still yeah, those... get the, we we get the sudden big play from Fant that makes us say yes. That that's the right. guy that we drafted in the right, high second right, right. round in our rookie drafts. It, why doesn't that show up more often? And we make excuses that oh, he's playing in Seattle and they like to use all these tight ends and he used to be in Denver and they didn't have a quarterback, all these things. <laughs> I, I hope Jatavian Sanders doesn't become that because he's just 20 years old. He's six, four two fifty, And everything, every time I watched him, I thought to myself, he has elite upside. He could be an elite fantasy tight end. And when they have that type of upside, Ryan, I always think I, I'm good with taking him at the beginning of the second round of a rookie draft, whether it's single quarterback or two quarterback or two quarterbacks. So I look at our ADP and single quarterback. He's down there at 20. He's going to impress in Indianapolis. He's going to yeah. look real good in, in spandex. Right. And I expect that to move up. I think so too. You know, looking at, uh, looking at, at our rankings, looking at ADP, Sanders stands out to me as a guy who, uh, is too low, essentially has that tight end two spot uh, locked up, uh, yeah. you know, well behind Brock Bowers, but uh, just as far ahead, maybe more so of anybody else who, who would uh, end up as the tight end three. You already mentioned the ADP 20 overall in single quarterback, 24 overall in super flex. You look at uh, both PFF and mock draft database, looks like he's uh, certainly going to be a day two pick could could definitely be a second round pick as well. Uh, I think that's where he ends up. And yeah, I'm with you, Dan. He feels like a player who is is going to be a riser throughout this process. And I, I guess I just wonder, and maybe we're seeing the same thing a little bit with with Harrison and some of the other receivers. If uh, just uh, the quality of Bowers as a prospect could be kind of holding Sanders back, you know, like you're allowed to like both of these guys a lot. Yeah. And, and I honestly, I do. And after watching him, it made me think that if I do have one of those picks in the three, four, five range, I'd much rather have Roma Dunze and, uh, uh, and Jatavion Sanders than I would right. Brock Bowers and the wide receiver I'm going to get near the end of the second round. You know, that, yeah. that seems from a team building perspective, like the, you know, what are you going to get? You're going to get a Donna Mitchell or, or yeah, Polk. Uh, Polk would be down there. In that range, Polk right? would be down there. Somebody like that. I guess if you get Malachi Corley, maybe that would change things slightly. Um, but those are the types of types of conversations you have to have yourself or you will have with yourself going into your draft. I'm thinking right now though, that that probably isn't going to be available to us, Matt, because Sanders is going to move up these rankings. He's going to move up these this ADP, and we're going to see him closer. I honestly think to the high high part of the second round, he'll be a value in the fifteen range at some point. That's about yep. where I have him ranked right now. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think the especially in those tight end premium premium leagues, we'll see him in that early second round range pretty easily. Once you get past all the you know the really exciting uh, wide receivers, maybe the first couple of running backs that you're going to see Sanders go off the board. 
I can't wait. Can't wait to draft him onto my teams. I'm so excited about Jatavian Sanders. Uh, let's get to a quarterback to round out our rookie report for this week. It's uh, it's former Auburn quarterback and uh, Oregon quarterback, quarterback Bo Nix. Of course, he started with Auburn. And Ryan, you and I play in some Debbie leagues, and Nix was mm-hmm. a big Debbie prospect at one point. And when he left Auburn, it, I think it's fair to say there was very little little uh reason to think he was an NFL prospect at that point and goes yeah. to goes to Oregon and he really resurrects his career um on on the on the back of a a lot of screen passes right <laughs> he throws a lot of screen passes in fact it got frustrating to watch Matt him play because it, I, I got a stat here 66.7 percent of his passes in 2023 were less than 10 <laughs> yards down the field yeah. uh fourth lowest a dot in the whole country ninth lowest time to throw so the ninth quickest out of his hand which isn't necessarily a good thing it means he's thrown too many screens and the ninth highest screen pass rate in the country last season at oregon he there were games if you watched full game cutups where he only got a few throws down the field in the whole, entire game so it was frustrating to watch, and I'm a Knicks fan. I consider myself a guy that that thinks he has the potential to be an NFL starter. That doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be, be a great dynasty prospect, but I think he's got some potential, Matt. Yeah, I mean, you started off with the negatives. I have similar stats, similar <laughs> things written down. He led the led the country in the most yards on screen passes. Seventeen percent of his yards, seven hundred sixty-two of them, came on screen passes. Um, oh my gosh, but, but man, I mean, you see like on those few throws of games, you, you see him be able to make more difficult throws. He just not really asked to do it. So is that the offense or is it him? There's a play, I think it is against Washington state, uh, where he hits this, he hits the receiver. I think it's Franklin, uh, in the right between the corner and the safety where they call they call that the Turkey hole. Right. Uh, and yeah. like, it's a difficult throw. He has a back shoulder throw for a touchdown. I think also to Franklin against Washington state. Uh, so he has it in there. He's just never asked to do it. Right. So I don't know. It, it, it's, it's gonna, it's, it's a really tough evaluation because of that, but he does do one of my favorite things, which is that he is so good when the bullets are flying. It's like he thrives in chaos. You know, he, he has this improvisational ability to make a play when there's nothing there. Uh, oftentimes he shouldn't be scrambling out of a pocket that looks pretty clean, but when he does, he's able to make a throw across, across his body over the middle for a f- first down. There's a, there's a goal line play against Colorado where he's like running. A, I think it looks like, like a quarterback draw inside like the three yard line or something like that. But uh, the defense gets a clean rusher through and he's almost wrapped up and he's able to turn it from transition from a runner back into a passer and flip it out to the receiver on the outside for the touchdown. So he does those things that when the play breaks down, he just, he, he has that, whatever you want to call it, the it factor, whatever it is in those situations. But it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the, the inconsistencies with the footwork. He throws off platform when he doesn't need to, like just for no reason, instead of stepping up in the pocket, you see him draft drift backwards and just throw off of the back foot for no reason. Um, so those things are, are going to really upset a lot of offensive coordinators, I think at the NFL level, but it, it, again, when 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 it's when chaos is happening, he seems to thrive, and that kind of thing I think does translate to the NFL in some regard. It's just getting in a is he going to get in a West Coast system where he can thrive on these these short and intermediate throws if that's going to be the biggest part of his game, and then take those deep shots down the field two or three times a game. If it's that's the kind of system, maybe he can be successful. But if not, I mean, he could be a backup 
forever, right? He's because you just never start a game. Yeah, he's uh, he's also 24 years old, a little older it's... prospect, played five years of college football, which is going to be a negative in a lot of dynasty managers' minds. It's not necessarily for me as a quarterback because these guys play late into their 30s now if they are any good. You know, Ryan, I'd love to know what you're, what you're thinking when it comes to Knicks because if you look at mock drafts, typically you see him – uh, in the in the high day two range, sometimes you see him at the end of round one. Perhaps he could be that fifth quarterback taken on day one of the draft. But you also see him slide to late two, late second round sometimes, and and maybe not even picked in a top sixty four mock. So I, you know, there's only a few mocks worth worth really putting a lot of a um, right. lot of thought into at this point. It's really it's really kind of a guessing game. It feels like to me, but. When I watch Nick's play and, and Matt outlined those strengths very, very well, he outlined the the uh, the negatives uh, or the things he needs to work on well. He also likes to like roll to his right a little bit with no pressure at all and Always. throw an off balance throw for no reason, which is just maddening. <laughs> but that arm strength It's like is, he's showing off, man. Like, why is he is showing off? It's like, like just, he's just make off. the throw. Plant the front foot where you want the ball to but go. But when you only get throw to throw it downfield four times in a game, Matt, you got to show you can throw off platform. I guess that's And that's true, part of the man. Oregon thing. That's part of that yeah. Oregon offense. It has been for years. So, you know, what, what mock do we believe at this point, Ryan? What kind of draft capital are we going to get with next? Well, I feel like for – for a while there for years, we were around this point of, of the year and heading into the combine and, and kind of the general consensus was these, these mid range quarterbacks will sneak into the first round, right? They'll, somebody yeah. will need a quarterback and um, need will outweigh talent and, and Bo Nix will be a first rounder. And I think the past couple of years, we've kind of gone away from that with um, a lot of those borderline quarterbacks falling to day two. I mean, we saw it with Levis last year, a guy that was even being talked about as a as a top overall pick, and, and he falls to day two. I think that's ultimately what we see with Bo Nix, that he's he's a second-round pick. Uh, he's he's essentially right now settled in as the QB5 uh, behind the the big three plus McCarthy. Um, I, I really thought the combine, and, and I, I guess it, it, this could still certainly happen, but I thought one of the top storylines from the combine would be McCarthy versus Nix versus Penix and, and trying to figure out kind of the order on those guys. And I think there's been enough positive buzz on McCarthy enough negative buzz on on Michael Penix that this is kind of the order now that that Knicks is going to be the fifth guy uh he's the quarterback five at PFF at mock draft database he's the quarterback five in our super flex ADP as well uh and 13 overall so dynasty managers there in the late first round are going to have a a choice if they want to uh, get some quarterback depth or if, uh, if they're going with the wide receiver or maybe even a guy like Jatavion Sanders. I think, I think I disagree slightly. I, I think he's okay. closer to McCarthy at four than he is to Penix at six. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's the fourth quarterback off the board. I wouldn't be surprised if he he's picked in the 20 range more than the, the round two range. I think an NFL team is going to fall in love with his arm strength that off-platform accuracy that he shows enough of that you think, okay, he has, he maybe has an elite trait there. And then he is a he is a very above average, not not amazing or great, but very above average timing-based passer. He does stare yes. down that first read a little bit, 
You want to know who he reminds me of, Matt? And I, I think you might think I'm crazy on this one. He reminds me a little bit of Jordan Love and the, the ability to <laughs> make those throws uh, off platform, like Jordan Love coming out of Utah, Utah State. And then he makes a boneheaded play that makes you think, why did you force that throw? He just didn't get enough chances to make those those throws down the field. I I really like Bo Nix and really think he has the potential to not only be a starter in the NFL, but I think he could be a pretty good one. He just doesn't have elite dynasty upside because he it, while he's athletic and and can make those throws uh, on second chance opportunities, and he'll run he'll run a little bit. I don't think he offers elite upside in any category to create the kind of fantasy points that makes him a top five fantasy player at any point. And that's just not going to be good. I think he's going to get the draft capital though. He's going to be a round one quarterback. I think he, he just has such a wide range of outcomes. Like if he gets oh, yeah. into a system, that's like, Oh, Hey, I saw those three really nice, difficult deep throws that you made the game. We're going to incorporate that, that into our offense. So you can take advantage of that more in addition to all of the short stuff. Then, you know, we could have a fantasy quarterback, you know, if I had to, you know, make a guess right now, it'd, Somewhere along the lines, not the same type of player by any means, but something like is he have a Derek Carr kind of career where he's just a quarterback two forever? Like I could see that. And that's you know, that's something sure. for a super flex team. Yeah, it's something, you know, and I should clear up the Jordan Love thing. I think maybe it's it's more like <laughs> my feelings about the player, not necessarily the player itself. It I feel like there's upside there. I loved Jordan Love coming out, and nobody else really did. I feel like I like Bo Nix like that. And think that, and he's raw like that. He would, he would very much, uh, it, it'd be good for him if he could sit for a year or two and learn behind somebody, get picked late in the first round where he can play behind a veteran and then get his opportunity because he is raw and does, does have some growth to do. But the, the tools are there, no doubt. And, you know, he went to Oregon where he had to, um, uh, he had to follow up Justin Herbert and play play behind you know play after Herbert lit things up at Oregon and there were some there were some people that thought negatively about Herbert when he was coming into the league because of the offense he played with in in Oregon and I think Nix is catching a little bit of that the only thing is we saw Nix at Auburn and he wasn't really good enough to be that that elite prospect then if 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 he'd have played better at Auburn maybe we would think highly more highly of Bo Nix. I really do think he's got, he's got some upside. 61 collegiate starts more than any other quarterback in NCAA history. I mean, he's, if anything, you could say he's comfortable on a football field, right? He's going to be comfortable <laughs> out there. He's not going to get stressed out when the free rusher comes through. He's not going to go into a shell. He's not going to see ghosts, that kind of stuff. So, I mean, for whatever that's worth, you, you got some experience there. So we've covered 24 uh, prospects in the rookie report already. We're burning through them, guys. Uh, last year we did we did rankings as we went along. We're going to start that next week. We'll we'll do the 24 that we have as a lead into the rookie report next week, and then we'll add our add our rookies that we're doing next week uh, into those rankings. So um, we'll have more combine data. We'll have interviews with these players. Of course, Ryan, you and our buddy Eric Dickens are going to be on. Uh, on site in Indianapolis to talk to these players, watch them work out. I can't wait to hear what you and the others think about what these guys look like uh, on the football field and, and in front of a microphone, because we're going to get a lot of good data, a lot of good uh, tidbits out of Indianapolis next week. That should help us refine our rankings, 
and get ready for rookie draft season. For Ryan and Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.